Hi, I'm Taylor. And I'm Elena. And this is the Spiritual Spectrum Podcast. So today, for our very first episode, we're going to talk about the void. What is the void? What's been our experience of the void? What else do people call what we call the void? So we're, we're going to dive into that. What do you know? Yeah. I mean, well, it's it's kind of like it's hilarious because it's a heavy topic for like episode one. Let's just dive off of the cliff. Let's go deep. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, it's it's a great way to start because I feel like when we start in meditation, the void is kind of the goal, right? Totally mm, releasing mm-hmm. all thought, releasing um you know, trials in our minds and finding the void. And then when you finally get to the void, it's like, oh, my God, what's going on? (laughs) Yeah. It's scary. Uh, It's intense. Or it can be if you're you're not ready for it. Or if, yeah, you don't know that it's coming. Right. And it's such a vague idea that we've all experienced. So it's like, you know, when we went to look this up, we were like, okay, we should, like, provide some, you know— some other people on this and like what they think. And it's like, nobody's out there talking about this. There's nothing to find if you Google it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I, and like, it's interesting because like I did find some stuff and there are some very like different perspectives about it. And then also like when I was having my own personal voidal experience, um, in the fall, I, just felt crazy and alone. And then I ended up, um, like a, a human design teacher that I follow and learn from and love very much was talking about the void a lot. And it just felt like a thing that we're all, we were all experiencing kind of collectively without maybe having like the words or the understanding or like, you know, from what I could see for a lot of people that I know that are in my sphere, um, you know, we're like experiencing it in one way or another. And then I listened to a conversation she had with somebody, um, on another podcast and was like, oh my God, I've never felt so seen and I'm not alone. And this yeah. isn't like the end of the world, but it felt very kind of end of the world like, so, so we're going to talk about some, some research that we've done. I know you have some books you've read. I just have my own personal experience and I have some articles that I want to um, that I want to bring up. So I want to, I have some, let me cite my sources. Uh, Ooh. where did my word, let me go to my word doc. I'm a professional. <laughs> so, you know, per professional use, I, one of my sources is by Kimberly Fosu or Fosu might be saying that wrong. Um, an article that she wrote on medium.com. And then, uh, I landed on this fucking random blog by this Marie, or this woman, Maria Irving, and mm-hmm. her website is mariairving.com. I have a lot to say about what I read there. And we'll there. put all the links in the show notes. So if you just look below this episode, anything we mention, I'll link it down below. Sure. Yeah. yeah. If you feel if you feel that it's necessary, you can see once we talk about it. But also feel free to do your own Googling. I'll just I'll just put all the links down there. You know, it'll be okay. easy. Do your thing. <laughs> I don't want to do the work. <laughs> uh, you know, it's my it's my thing. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Love that. Um, okay. So, 
So the article on medium.com, I kind of just like want to, um, I'm just going to read through this a little bit and then, uh, talk about it from there. So, so Kimberly writes, you felt bliss and ecstasy. Then you felt misery and anguish. You're now in a void where you alternate between bliss and misery. The void is a place in between worlds. You've closed out a chapter of your life, but you haven't yet begun the next. The old you has been dissolved, but the new you isn't born yet. You've healed the past, yet you aren't quite ready to fly. Holy fuck, this has completely been my experience. Amazing. Yeah, Yeah. then she goes, the void feels like being in a cocoon, like a planted seed. All there is for your company is darkness, and you're not sure if the light will ever come. You feel stuck. Oh, my God. Uh, Wishes and desires don't manifest, and God seems too far away to notice your despair. It feels as if you're all alone. You desperately want to start a new chapter and move on to the rest of the story, but the universe closes the book and won't allow you to flip the page. Every door and every window you try to escape through slams shut in your face. A person who has just come out of the dark night, like a dark night of the soul, a lot of times Mm -hmm. this can happen after you have like a dark night of the soul situation. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not necessarily. You might just fucking dive deep into the void with like, what the fuck? Um, So blah, 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 blah. A person who has just come out of the dark night has been through so much that it wears them out. Their soul has done so much healing and purging that they are usually very tired. All activities come to a stop so you can rest. But just because the universe makes you and everything stop doesn't mean life is over. It doesn't mean nothing is happening. So much happens when you're doing nothing. The things that are happening can't be seen from the outside, but growth and transformation are happening inside. Because you don't see the growth that's taking place, the void is an incredibly difficult space to be in. You may feel restless, agitated, and bored with your life. After the dark night comes morning, and morning is when we pick ourselves up and get things done. It's difficult to rest when you'd rather be doing something significant with your life. It's hard to remain still when you'd rather be making moves, but the void isn't the time to be making moves. It's time to be silent. Silence is built into the void for a reason. The silence encourages you to go within and fold in on yourself. What you need for the next stage of your journey isn't outside. It's all inside of you. And that's why the universe forces you to remain inside. All activity stops. You can focus on yourself and get to know who you are on a deeper level. Oh my gosh. And this just, I know. Do you just feel like so fucking seen? <laughs> I, well, you know, it's so funny because, like, um, when we were going into the first episode on this topic, I was like, ugh, this is big. <laughs> like, whoa. And then, <laughs> and then, like, that is such a perfect passage. And I love that you felt intuitive about choosing this as the first topic. Because I feel like, obviously, because of lockdowns and the pandemic, we've all been thrust into the void against our will. (laughs) And I think, like, we have all experienced some version of this um, within the past two years. And, And, like, there's a lot of healing that people are going through and a lot of confusion. And, you know, um, I feel like a lot of people might be in the void and not even realize that that's what they're going through. And, you know, hopefully if you're out there and you're hearing this episode and you're like, oh, my God, like, that's what I experienced. It's like, mm hmm. Yeah, Yeah, we've been going through it. And I mean, you know, I'll I'll talk about my personal experience with the void over these past couple of years. But like. Um, you know, continue with your connection because I just had to say, good job. Good Ah, topic. Thank you. you. Yeah, it just, it felt like, um, I, I mean, 
I there in this article it talks about how this is like one of the six stages of a spiritual awakening. And like I said, I think there's a lot of different perspectives on the void and what the void is and how we experience the void and why we experience the void and blah 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 blah. And I personally like obviously, you know, when lockdown happened and all of this uncertainty and fucking insanity that's happened for the last couple of years, like that was wild, but I was still so um I was still so like ingrained with what the like the patterns of my life before lockdown so it's like the stress cycles of work (laughs) yeah the stress cycles of work and like you know like making food and meal planning and cleaning the house and working out and social things and then it's like okay well now you can't do a lot of that stuff but like I was just so I was just still still so connected to the stress cycles and the schedules of my regular life before this. And so I, uh, I did, I quit my job in June of 2021. Um, and whew, it was amazing. It uh, was fucking, amazing. I was there. I'm team, I'm team quit your job for <laughs> I mean, sure. Not physically, but, but I was, I was there mentally. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. <laughs> um, in full support, spiritual yes. support. Um, but it was so interesting because I quit I quit my job in a sales role to um, build a life coaching business because I was just like I felt I felt so incapable of working and doing this job that was draining the life out of me um, that I could not like I just didn't have the energy to try to build my life coaching business yeah. while I was doing a full time job working right. from home. And like some people can do that and more power to them, but it was, it wasn't for me. And so I quit my job and I thought like, I'm going to build my business and it's going to be amazing. And it turned into like the most intense, like phase of spiritual work and like death and rebirth that I feel like I've ever experienced. And especially because it just brought to light all the things that I had to decondition and reprogram and ways of thinking and being that I had to release. And and all at the same time, I'm like, but I should be doing this and I should be doing this and I should be doing this. And it's like the whole point is like there are no shoulds and so drop the shoulds. And I, there, there's a part of me that felt like, I'm not as good as other people because why can't I build a business and go through all of this insane growth and development at the same time? And it's like, who fucking knows why? I just needed to do what I've been doing. Oh, and yeah. And your own version of that. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not any better or worse. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so, um, but especially in the fall, I went into, I, I felt like I was going crazy. Like Scorpio season started. Oh, it and was rough I for was, me too. I mean, I looked oh back at my God. journals recently and I was like, I'm such a, a more mature person, like literally just for the emotional crap that I put myself through in that season. <laughs> Yeah, it's it was wild. I was just I felt I don't want to say depressed because depression goes along with like not feeling and I was feeling everything, but I was feeling 
I was so sad and I felt so lonely and I felt confused and I was questioning everything and doubting myself in such a huge way. And it felt like, you know, I think there's always these peaks and valleys of growth. And so there are times where, you know, I've been on such a high of like, I feel so fucking good. I'm so confident. I'm so ready. Like I'm taking all of this stuff on and it feels amazing. And then out of nowhere, it felt like I was plunged into the depths. And my husband, Jesse, was like, are you okay? Like, do you, like, you just don't seem like yourself. And he's he's a total empath. And so he's like picking up on my sadness and I'm just like, shout out to Jesse. He's amazing. Yeah. I'm like, (laughs) I don't know what's going on. I just really need to cry like all day long and I'm just going to go be by myself. And so it was a lot of, um, learning how to be okay. Yeah. And um, that's a whole other episode we could do about shadow work. I mean, oh, when we will, the higher, the high, the lower, the low. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah, it it totally increases your capacity. Like you can't have higher highs without having lower lows. And so it's just a greater depth of experience. But when you're in it, you're like, what did I do? What did I do wrong? Why am I here? What's wrong with me? Why can't... And like the the next part of this article goes on to talk about how all guidance and synchronicity stops and you stop seeing the repeating numbers and your vision is blurred and all you see is silence and stillness Ooh, and that darkness. That happened to and, me for a minute. I love that you bring that up. I, I noticed yeah. when that happened to me. <laughs> Yeah. And, and I, I can't say that I necessarily stopped seeing like signs or synchronicities. I think I was just so overwhelmed with my own emotional experience that, that I was was like trying to force it to happen. I was like, today I will see a sign. (laughs) How'd that that work for you? (laughs) It it didn't. Oh, weird. Um, but yeah, it's like, the thing is that, uh, like nothing went wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. Everything is right and going according to plan. And she says, spirit is allowing you time off to rest and recharge to prepare for the next stage of your journey. You're being trained to go within to identify the sound of your intuition, how it speaks and what it says so that when you go out into the world, you can rely on yourself. Everything on the outside stops so you can learn to trust and depend on yourself. The void shows you how to stop relying on others and trust your own inner guidance and knowing. You can rely, You can really only learn to connect to yourself if everything is silent on the outside. And that was, you know, it's like when all of those doubts and those fears come up and you just feel so anxious and you feel so scared and alone, it's like all, for me, I'm such a, I love rituals and I love practices and I love Oh, you know, well, trying to I could give you a whole episode on ritual too. I mean, I took a class on it in college, but um, about how important ritual is to ground your everyday crazy. I mean, it, long story short, it's it gives you something to rely on. Like you're saying right now, it's huge for stability when you know everything is up in the air. Ritual number one, amazing. We'll. we'll We'll have to do an episode on that. Yes, we will. And I'm sure we'll do multiple because oh, there's yeah. so many rituals. But what I was going to say is that, like, you know, sometimes if you are a person, especially if you come from, you know, a corporate environment like I did and you're so conditioned to do, 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 you know, like your, your 
uh, value is in your doing and your productivity, then you can be addicted to figuring out how to do something so that you can get out of this space and you try to you try to push through it. And I think some people call it spiritual bypassing, where it's like Ooh. I'm just trying to I'm trying to get the fuck through this. And it's yeah. like, you can't necessarily, like the best way in my experience to uh, quote unquote accelerate your your growth or like your progression through the void is to learn how to how to be and how to allow and like rituals and practices and shamanic shaking or screaming into a pillow. Like these can be good ways to like maybe process your feelings a little bit. But for me, it's like if you're trying to use it as a tool to get out of where you are, you're Ooh, no. just keeping yourself yeah. there because you're you're resisting it. And so I feel like I learned the lesson so many times of like, I, I'm learning how to allow. I'm learning how to be. I'm just going to be okay sitting with myself, sitting with my feelings, observing these stories, observing what's coming up, and consistently reminding myself that all the shit is coming to the surface because I'm ready to face it, I'm ready to deal with it and process it and move through it and let it go, and it's okay to just feel shitty sometimes. Oh, like huge. this doesn't yeah, doesn't totally. mean anything about me. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with me. But it was really fucking hard. And it also felt hard because it's like, you know, we're obviously uh like I mean, I'm technically working from home, but you know, I don't I don't have a structure like I've had in the past where I am consistently interacting with the same people about the same things like I would have had with a job. And so it's mm -hmm. like the onus is on me to reach out to the people that I have online or in my life to like, you know, uh, nurture this sense right. of community. Yeah. But I was just in a real like bleak place with that. It's tough. Um, so tough. And, and then she goes on like for me, it was like I went through Scorpio season and it was brutal. And then I kind of came out of it and I like, I felt better, but I've definitely had these like, you know, I felt really low for a while and then I kind of came out of it and was like, oh, I feel like I feel so much better. I feel lighter. I feel like I've learned a lot of things. I can feel the growth. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it and then I'll have like a high. Tested, yeah, though, I'll have right? a high like and then <laughs> I fucking go back down again. And I and so I was like messaging this um this girl that I mentioned before, the the human design teacher. Her name is Katie Calder and I love her. Um but she I was tech I was messaging her because I'm like, you know, like maybe the, like why we just, we try to understand everything and like define it. And like, this is the void and I'm in the void and now I'm out of the void. And it's like, maybe like you just oh, kind of yeah. move in and to, out like, of the put void. It on the calendar. Like it's been this long. Yeah. So like yeah. maybe just another week. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, you try to like move in and out of the void or, or, or try to say like, well, I'm out of the void. And then if you end up feeling low again, it's like, oh, I'm back in the void. But it's like, yeah. Maybe the experience is not something that's like so – I mean, I think that there can be these moments where it is like so specifically defined. And then I right. also think that like sometimes you just move in and out of it and like this is life and it's okay. And the whole point is just like allow yourself to be wherever you are oh, yeah. and like feel the feelings that are happening and coming up and like use the things that you feel called to use to process them. But – Trying to force anything is a recipe for disaster in my oh, experience. Huge. Well, you know, and that, that comes around to the topic of surrender and how, you know, Ugh. when you speak about spiritual surrender and realizing, you know, 
uh, yeah, you can't you can't control the ebb and the flow of your human experience. You have to surrender to the human experience. Mm-hmm. And um, once you do, it's like you start to see all your options. It's like you get a breath of fresh air in your lungs and you can, you know, step away from everything that's causing all the anxiety, all of the, you know, static in your head kind of seems to quiet when you find that place of surrendering to the experience. Um, but that's, you know, easier said than done. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I wanted to read some of these things from this other, the, um, this other woman's blog because yeah. I thought it was just like, I don't necessarily totally agree with her, but I just think that all the perspectives are fascinating and that's cool. the whole point that's of the point. all of, all of these conversations is fucking be open-minded. Um, so yeah, so this woman has a void. She's like a life coach and a Reiki practitioner and she's certified in NLP and all this stuff. So like she's been doing this for, um, a long time. What's NLP? Bio. Uh, neuro-linguistic programming. Oh, oh, I should have known that. But. Um, how dare. Okay. So, <laughs> so she says the void does not happen often. Sometimes there's even a few years between them. And in between those phases, there can be many, many other kinds of shifts and transformations. But the void is different, and many people get freaked out when they get into it. Uh, yes, preach. I got very freaked out. Mm-hmm. Um, but this woman is very adamant that it's not spiritual. It's a major shift in consciousness, but consciousness is not spiritual. So I have some stuff to say about that, and I think it's just fascinating. But she says, some people some people get all quote-unquote spiritual about it, and some even call it the enlightened state. And those who do let their spiritualized egos make the face into something it's not. Well, and hold they on can now. Stay there. I'm sorry, but like spirituality and ego, like... The whole idea is that you're trying to separate your ego and like calm the ego and bring the ego back home. Like, so that, okay, we don't, it's fine. I won't interrupt. I, I have, I, I mean, I have so much to say. So, um, so she goes and they can stay there for years, never moving beyond it. Uh, because it can be really comfortable staying there. I mean, my personal experience, the void fogging sucked a dick and I didn't yeah, want to stay there and at also, all. And also like staying in a in a spiritual void, being the hermit in Tarot, being in the spiritual like uh, suspension mm-hmm. is not um, spiritually healthy. And, you know, we could have a whole conversation about that. But um, yeah, so she's actually talking about a reality that hopefully people don't find themselves in very often. Right. And I, and, and I'm not saying that this is not true. Um, but it's just like the way that she talks about it is really like, I'm just deeply amused by her, uh, way of talking about this. But so then she says, some people can stay there for years and never moving beyond it because it can be really comfortable staying there, especially for those who experience the void for the first time, unless they get freaked out about like what the void is. In that case, the person tries to get away from it by clawing themselves out of it by pushing and forcing movement to happen, which okay. we just talked about. Surrender. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and some people see themselves as above these types of processes, so they avoid them. They don't talk about them and they pretend everything is fine while hiding away from the world, kind of just waiting it out without realizing how powerfully transformative they are. When this happens, they, they completely wasted a very important part of the transformational process and got back to the old self's way to live life as the old self they're familiar with being. Some people who are religious or inclined to pray, etc., often get depressed and feel a deep sense of meaninglessness because they don't get a response. Because as I mentioned before, the void is a very quiet place to be. Um, well, I think a sense of purpose is always a nice 
antidote for any of that. You know, find your life's purpose. That's that's my wonderful advice. Just get out there. Find it. That's cool. Oh, yeah. Real simple. <laughs> Just go find your purpose. Come on, guys. Find your purpose. How hard can oh, yeah. it be? Uh, I think we, well, I have a lot of things to say about that, too. But but she says, then she goes on to say, if you're a doer by nature, it can be alarming. Uh you don't feel drawn to do anything in the void. Nothing at all. You basically lose interest in everything. I kind of, I did kind of feel that way. And she says, and if you're a doer by nature, this can be alarming. And if you're overly, if you're overly spiritual, it may be, it may come as a relief. And that's why many people stay here, not knowing it's only a phase and not a state. I can uh, agree with the the overdoing thing because oh, when yeah. my, when my like uh, void appeared, it was, um, so I'm an artist and a crafter and like all of the stuff that I was doing was just like all of a sudden, like my life's work was tasteless. I had no appetite for it at all. And so I was like, oh my God, I need to take like a watercolor class or I need to take like a storytelling class. Like I need, I need some kind of artistic stimulation. <laughs> did you feel like you had like, or did you feel like you had lost like like, were you, like, afraid that you had, like, lost this sense of creativity? Like, did you ever even have, like, a fraction of a second where you're like, oh, my God, I'm never going to pr- be creative well, again? Well, you know what it was, was that, um, so everyone was kind of forced indoors. So everyone started making really amazing content at home, right? So yeah. there was this really wonderful burst of creativity on social media, which I've also noticed has dwindled. It's not nearly at the height that it was when everyone well, was locked inside. Of course. <laughs> and, yeah. And like, so it's kind of, um, like when I was, um, you know, trying, I literally released my first EP like a week before the pandemic, like March 13th, I think was my release date. And I think we locked down on like March 20th. So it was like, I was finally like, I'd like, before the pandemic, I'd like broken up with my band and I was finally standing on my own two feet as an artist. And I was like, look at me go. And then I couldn't like play any shows around my new release. (laughs) Mm. And like, we've been locked down, like, you know, no real, uh, no interest in playing live shows. Nobody's going to come out. It's, I live in a small town and like, no one really cares. And so I'm like, okay, like, all of the music that I had been working to release and like I wanted to be a solo artist, like going out and and doing my own thing, like that was all immediately taken away from me. And so I was just like, well, what like that's my defining self, which I think is um, kind of an interesting like, uh, I don't know, um, juxtaposition oh yeah contrast Mm. great word for for where you're coming from because you're talking about like a corporate structure and like Mm. having like life structures that were like really in place and like for me it was like I had um an identity that was based on being out in the forefront um not necessarily on social media but like I'm a teacher and I'm a musician so it's like being with classes of kids being with audiences like that's what I was doing for 10 years so it's Mm -hmm. like oh my god you know so then it was all like I I released some music online and there was just this huge boom of creativity online so it felt like it was just a whisper out of someone like just oh hey like I did something musical like bye (laughs) 
<laughs> and and that was like, you know, that's kind of like after a life of music and finally getting out there on my own, like it was such a, def- a deflation of mm. what I had sort of, I'm and expectations, right? They always lead to disappointment. Ugh. But like what I, what I was, you know, I had, I had good reasons to expect, you know, um, a reception of my solo work because sure. I had been out there as a, as a group artist, you know? So it's like, why wouldn't I have that expectation? And then this freak incident <laughs> occurs. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, um, I didn't lose uh, structures out in my life. In fact, I was able to be given structures because I'm, I'm self-employed. I've been self-employed for like 10 or 12 years. And um, so like I, all my structures are self-made anyway. So I was like, that's oh, fine. Like, I don't really care. Like, I'll stay at home and teach kids online. Like, I don't, I don't really care. But like with um, my, my art and my expression and my self-expression, like I had no reception for it. And um, I lost my sense of self. I was like, hmm. uh, like, who even am I? I mean, you know, <laughs> if I can't mm-hmm. do these things that I've dedicated my life to. And so it really like. Did this happen early on for you? No, because I was like, this was like, um, I mean, I would have to kind of like draw like a timeline out in front of me. But like, because it all just kind of mushed together over time as well. It's like, I, I can't. Oh, even... you mean your concept of time didn't uh, remain perfectly uh, yeah, clear no. throughout this pandemic? <laughs> That's weird because everybody yeah. else had a totally different experience. Yeah. I'm such a, I'm just such an intuitive, dreamy type. You know, I can't. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, no, like it was at first I was like, like, okay, let's power through, you know, let's, let's keep, keep producing. Oh my gosh, I finally have time to like do stuff. I have time to be alone and, you know, time to, to be, um, you know, physically fit and like have like, wow. Like I I felt like a huge, like I was one of those people that was like, you know, I'm sorry if people are suffering for the pandemic, but it's actually helping me out. Like I'm able to do things for myself straight up. Yes. Yeah. A thousand percent. Yeah. Like self-care things that I had never like done before. I mean, physically, I feel like I look really bad, like a lot better than I did two years ago. And that's Mm -hmm. just because I've been like resting and exercising and eating well. And I'm like, wow, okay, like that's awesome. But like, you know, then there's like always um, (laughs) the give and take. So um, then it was like, yeah, after I really pushed and I released a few singles. I like I put out, I think, a year's worth of work and I was feeling like really good about it. I was like, yeah, like, look at me alone for a year. Like I, I put out all these recordings and like I feel really accomplished. And like I got to work with a musician who means a lot to me. And like that was like really special to me. And like um I had some really nice personal accomplishments, but then at the end of the day, I realized I was just searching for validation around Mm. artwork that is really just personal for me. I tell people all the time, like, I don't care if you listen to my music, like I write it for me, I make it for me. And like, it's not really for everyone. It's just for me. And so like, I was having these, these really wonderful, like personal accomplishments, but then when there was no, um, outward reception of those accomplishments, it really like sunk me to the bottom of the ocean. And I was like, well, what is even, what is even the point? Why? Like, and you know, the point is me, the point is I do it for me. And I'm actually working on some music now because I feel like um, I'm back to being in my heart again about this stuff. 
yeah. I'm like, yeah. And it's like, I'm out of the ego and I'm back in the heart. And that's where I need to be when I make my work. But like, you know, I, I just realized how much of my work was wrapped up in trying to reach for validation for others. And like, I don't know, I, I just feel like this soundbite, like if my like, you know, 20 years from now, I have like, you know, a discography. If you look back, you'll notice that you'll see that my early work is it needs the validation and my later work will not. <laughs> Hopefully. Who's to say what the I'm, future I'm really, will hold? I'm really like, that's just where I feel like my big lesson was. <laughs> yeah. And we're back after some technical difficulties. <laughs> just some mercury retrograding. Yeah. And some, some first episode blues. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, we're talking about the void experience within the void. Yeah. So, uh, my, my experience, um, basically was of an identity loss that I felt like I lost everything that, that I have ever worked on, had ever pointed myself towards was just like, wow, did I just spin my wheels for the past 10 years? And also, that's intense. um, Just questioning everything. Oh oh my God. Huge, right? Like, literally questioning my entire adulthood. And then I'm like, okay. Relatable. (laughs) Yeah. But then um, I'm like, okay. Also, the other scary thing was um, so, you know, laws around teaching in schools changed. And I'm a music teacher. So, like, I was the teacher that would like pop into a school. And, like, teach every class for 30 minutes on a Wednesday. So it wasn't like I had, like, a classroom in a school. I would go to, like, several schools and, like, pop in and teach the music unit and then leave. And um, it was really fun. I mean, that was, like, what my music was like as a kid growing up. So it was kind of like something I created for my county. And I just ran around and did that. But then, like, everything changed around teaching So that was, like, half of my job was, like, running around all these different schools. And then, like, uh, me and my partner, we opened a business, and that kind of was a whole other story for another day. But, like, um, I had to, like, let go of teaching elementary schools and middle schools. And I went back to just private teaching one-on-one. And it was, like, the more I, I kind of faced the downsize of the work that I've been doing for, like I've said, a decade, um, I was like, oh my, like, am I going to be doing this for the rest of my life? <laughs> am I going to be teaching like one-on-one kids? teaching? Yeah. Cause literally I've been doing that since I was 17. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'm, I'm really good at it now compared to how I did it back then. But like, I, I realized like, you know, gosh, like this is just the most basic form of my skill. Like I went to Berkeley College of Music, like I know how to do a lot. And I'm kind of always reduced to the thing that I've done since I was 17. <laughs> mm. And so, you know, when, when you're humbled that way, um, you know, it was like kind of bleak, like, wow. Okay. I love my students. I love teaching. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, I don't have any problem with that work or with the, the children or families that I work with. But like I said, when it's like, I've gone all these places and I've made all these accomplishments and I've done all these things. And then I'm reduced right back to where I started. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was, it was really tough. 
And, um, mm. you know, I uh, had to make peace with it. And talking about surrender um, mm-hmm. earlier, like I want to just bring that back and talk about how I had to find my surrender within that humble place because, mm. you know, that's my ego thinking that I'm better than doing what I did at 17 yet, you know, realizing I, I do a lot more and I'm a, a much more effective teacher now and I cover m- many more subjects, but like, and it's like just as impactful. Exactly. Like, and if not, I'm doing, you're making a difference even more. in the lives yeah. of the people. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, surrendering to the idea that like, maybe this is the work that I'm meant to do. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. And, um, realizing, you know, that it's, that it's my ego, my need for validation that is reaching for something greater than just sitting intimately one-on-one with a child who needs my support. You know, there's Mm. absolutely nothing wrong with that. And, um, you know, especially if you, like, if you, uh, enjoy it or, you know, like if you get something from that too. Oh yeah, for sure. And, you know, being grateful for the value of my work and honoring the value of my work is what allows me to continue that work gracefully. And, um, you know, I was, was reading this really awesome book. I, I read a lot of strange books that I'll probably reference more than once on this show. <laughs> but the one that I'm currently reading is called the, uh, lessons from the 12 archangels by Belinda J. Womack. And I had just kind of learned about her. She's been around for a while. She is an angel channeler. So she just is in like direct conversation with the 12 archangels. And she's a really fascinating woman who was like a, some kind of biochemist of some kind. She was like a really scientific lady who has a really fascinating story. I'll have to look her up. But, um, she was in this book. She talks about attachment and separation and how, you know, we all, we all come from heaven and we're all going back to heaven and earth is like kind of the lowest point we reach in that journey. And when we're going through the trials and tribulations of earth, that we are experiencing separation from the divine, whatever the divine is. I mean, there's plenty of, you know, examples of what that can be. We're experiencing separation or experiencing separation from that. And we are also experiencing attachment to things that lower our vibration even further. So, you know, attachment to materialistic objects, to addiction, to people, um, you know, they all just bring you down. So when I was going through this um, sort of recalibration of honoring my career, I had to realize, oh, I'm attached to all the wrong aspects of why I do what I do. And I'm, mm. I'm you know, um, experiencing separation from the, th- the truth of what I do, which is that I make an impact in the lives of kids in a very simple way. You know, and I think um, if if you're experiencing some insane voidal moment that you can really just make up, you could even make a list. What am I attached to? What am I experiencing separation from? And how does that keep me from my wholeness and just finding that place where I feel comfortable to move on to the next step? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. <laughs> I hear you. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like for me it was like a lot of just like facing 
facing all my my fears and my doubts and um I've also had a couple weeks like that recently where I'm like went from feeling really good to feeling like oh my god I have no idea what I'm doing I'm never gonna get where I want to go I'm never gonna be successful I'm like what am I even saying I have so many things to say I can't even figure out one simple thing to say how do I simplify it what do I do like how do I help people and just really kind of accidentally subconsciously focusing on all of the things that I want to have that I don't have. And so that's just basically focusing on lack. And it's like, yeah, but sometimes, you know, it's just like, I, I have been reminded a lot recently, you know, that you're going to take a few steps forward and then you're going to take a couple steps back and that's okay. And it doesn't mean that you're backsliding and feeling like shit and questioning everything doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. It just is, it's just a part of growth and, you know, being able to listen to yourself and the things that are coming up and, maybe find the lessons or get to know yourself better. And, you know, like you said, find the, um, wow, I feel like I'm hungry. And so my brain is not retaining information. (laughs) We'll do breakfast Um, before this next time. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Definitely should have had some food and not only coffee. Um, but what, what did you say? Finding Finding the the value. Oh yeah. Finding the truth and in the value of finding Mm. what, you know, cause I think, um, we find value in things, but they could be attached to the ego. Oh yes. So it's like, like, what are you attached to? Like what is the actual, um, you know, contribution, you know, and, and how are you not honoring it by not seeing that true value? Yeah. And, and, um, just, I mean, I feel like there, in my experience, I've, there's been a lot of me being like, there's something wrong with me. I'm doing it wrong. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? Why can't I see the value? Why can't I find the lessons? Why can't I realign, you know, and, and feeling like shit and being in the void doesn't mean that you're out of alignment either. It's just part of the journey. And, um, I just, I, yeah, for me, the greatest lesson was just like allowing, just learning how to be. And, and that literally just means feeling your feelings, just feel your feelings. And what are the, what are the fears and what are the doubts? And like, what are the things that you are attached to doing and why are you attached to those things and, and the way that you feel like you need to do them. And then, like you said, kind of assessing like the value of all of that. And, and like, there's a lot of people that talk about reconnecting with your why And that's something that, that. uh, you know, I think when I started doing all of this work a few years ago, I was like, oh, my why needs to be, you know, some fucking altruistic motivation. And it's like, uh, no, (laughs) like it doesn't need to be that. It's like, why do I want to make money? Like, why do I want to be a, a, like a wealthy person? Because then I get to support myself and Jesse and I and like my, my family and I get to be generous and and I do get to help people and I do get to like use my resources in service to other things and support causes that I believe in. But it's also yeah. because when 
I have the things that make me feel good, that make me feel taken mm-hmm. care of and abundant and, you know, like wealthy, then that's just like an energetic ripple effect on all the people around me. And it supports me doing the thing that like, like me supporting myself helps me support the people around me yeah. that I want to help. And so uh, yeah. it's just like all, all an influential thing. Right. And you're talking about the the reason why that is the motivating why, the manifesting yes. why, which exactly. is a different, it's different than the comforting why. It's different than the restful why. So, mm. which, you know, I, I love that we have these conversations because um, that's where I go is like, well, if I, you know, I'm focusing on the why that motivates me forward, um, it's different than the one that lets me... Um, let go of whatever that motivation is, um, which motivation can, again, get wrapped up in the ego. Um, so what if it all falls down? What if it all fails? Um, which happens a lot. I mean, ooh, I have a big story of a big failure that, I mean, I, I think it probably needs to wait <laughs> for another <laughs> show. But basically, like, for a long time, my partner and I worked on a business and then it was taken away from us. And, um, when I say that, I mean it and it was not okay. And it was, it was malicious and it was backhanded. It was a snake in the grass moment for us. It was really lame. And we had worked three, four years, um, to have everything taken away from us. And, uh, you know, our motivating why was, the same reason that you have your motivating why was to be able to have two feet to stand on to do our best work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, <laughs> when it's all just just taken right out from under you, then you have to have the comforting why, which is, why did this happen to me? Well, <laughs> Oh, that's so fascinating because that's where my mind goes. Like, I feel like I I was asking Jesse recently, like, am I an obnoxiously, um, like, uh, like perpetual optimist? Like, am I just like the most? I mean, yeah, but you know, there's also, I, I, I agree and I can see how me being like, but like, how did it serve you? Like, what did you learn? Like, how does this, like, how does this new lens that this experience gave you influence how you move through the world in the future and going forward? And And it's like, that's just how my mind is tuned. So like, so with you talking about this whole thing, which like I know all about, um, because in in case that part of the conversation got cut out, we are cousins. Yeah, (laughs) we're cousins. She was there for this, this horrifying moment in my life. Yeah. But but my um, mind is like, you know, it was toxic. And so maybe it needed to fall apart. And maybe there are things that you learned in through that experience that are serving you in your current business. And, you know, but also like, that's me. You know, the hindsight is so much easier now because this was, you know, this all happened, I think, in 2018 or 19. 2018, 17. And, um, it was, you know, in the moment it was shock. I, my, my, my spirit left my body. It was like I can imagine someone that. died. It was just, it was horrible. And, um, the, and it's happened to us more than once. I mean, the second time luckily was not nearly as severe, but, um, 
this the second time was the same same shock reaction. Why is this happening to me? I haven't done anything wrong. I've only given my best self. Why is this happening to me? And and in that moment, you know, it's really hard to be an optimist and it's really hard to say that there's a that there's a, a bigger What's the plan. silver lining? Yeah. Oh my God. Well, and then, you know, there was a lot of financial issues that came from those things too. So it, it sure. really drags you down, man. It, it feels endless. And um, now I can see, yeah, you know, like there was a lot of learning from all parties involved. Everyone learned mm-hmm. a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. everyone. And there was learning that was going on after we had left. There was, there was, so much learning that happened in that business for everybody that I can see now. But in that moment, my why that comforted me was really um, that it had to be for our growth somehow. Like, we are going to mm. grow from this. And, yeah. um, you know, I didn't know what that growth was going to look like. Uh, but I knew that when it happened, we were not the party in the wrong and that we had a whole community behind us that was going to stand right. for us um, and, and for whatever we decided to do next. We had people coming out of the woodwork like, oh, you're away from that that original business now? Like, how can we help you? So yeah. it was, you know, over time we realized, wow, it was just a doorway into our more authentic business but yeah. Um, yeah, but it was goddamn at the moment it but happened. But what a shitty way oh. to learn that lesson, right? Dude. And it's like Dude. that's, and I feel like that is like sort of sums up the void of like the void is fucking brutal, and you're like, why is this happening? Things are never going to get better. Who the fuck am I? What am I doing? Why do I even care? What do I care about? Like, will I ever stop being sad? <laughs> Right. And like, do do I even belong in this city anymore was a question right. that, that crossed my mind around yeah. my teaching and around my businesses was like, do we move now? Like, just right. because like you, you feel. Would, yeah. And I think that talks about the root chakra, you know, um, <laughs> chakras. But, you know, that's your <laughs> sense of security and safety. And like, literally, I'm a healing touch practitioner. And we learned that when people use energetic language, it tells you where they were hurt. And I said, the rug was taken out from under me or all the things were taken mm. out from under me. And that's a root chakra energetic language that my root chakra, my security was damaged. And um, totally. Yeah. And like, you know, um, that is my sense of safety where I live. So e- even in that moment, I was so shocked and my root chakra was so retracted that as I'm a cancer, man, cancers don't move. I was Preach. like... I'm like, I'm going to move. Like, I have to leave, which is, <laughs> which is crazy. So, you know, it's, um, it, it, it was really... I mean, really... it's just, it makes you think all of the yeah. thoughts. And, and yeah. uh, you know, even if it re- feels really fucking hard and really annoying and really like, oh, yeah, oh, should I find the lesson? Oh, what's my comforting why? Right. Like, how about you go fuck yourself? It's like... Right. And that's then, like, okay. Fine. That's yeah. okay. But, like, you will, like, there is, like, you will come out the other side. And, and if you keep yourself open to, maybe you don't need to know your comforting why right now. You don't need to know the lesson in oh, the moment. I think yeah, well, now this you, is something but you taught me, come. Taylor. This is a this is a lesson that Taylor gave me that I have oh, to share with all of you. <laughs> look at me teaching, so, growing, so when, serving. When both both of my my life shattering business moments happened, both of them, um, that was 
um, you know, there was no comfort. There was no comforting why. And you, you start, your mind starts racing. You start looking for the fucking reason because you're just like, this can't be real. And, um, you know, and so it's like out of body and and it is, it's like a little bit of spiritual bypassing where I'm like, okay, let's find the lesson so that I don't have to deal with the trauma. But once I find a lesson, I'll stop feeling horrible. Yeah, But no, bitch, like the trauma Uh, is there for a reason. It still feels bad. It's still going to feel bad. It's okay. And it's okay to feel bad. That's it's a good lesson in and of itself. Oh yeah. No, no. And well, so the, so what I had to experience and what I, when I learned it, like, I think when the the second one happened, I hadn't quite, no, I hadn't learned it from you yet. So, Ooh boy. But, um, that I had to allow myself waiting with bated breath about this lesson. Okay. okay. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I mean, like I said, spiritual bypassing, like trying to find the lesson, it, it was, uh, bypassing the emotional aspect of what I was going Mm. through and my, my emotion, my, uh, giant middle finger to whatever is going on is anger. And, Oh yeah. Yeah. And Okay, and, I know oh, now. Oh boy. And so what I what I didn't realize because I you know, no offense to my parents if they hear this, they're wonderful people, but like I grew up in a house where like people would yell at each other. Oh, and, same, and, same. and you know, yeah. And like my parents are still kind of like Thought snappy it was at each other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Same. And like <laughs> and they that's kinda like their love language. Like that's just how they talk to each other. And it's like, okay, cool. Oh and I don't I feel like I you're talking about my parents. Me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because I, I don't have that kind of relationship with my partner. So, you know, thank you. same. <laughs> Awesome. I'm tripping. <laughs> yeah. So like for me, I always thought like, you know, growing up like that, that angry voice, that anger that was inside of me was learned that it was my parents' voices speaking inside of me. Mm. I didn't realize that that anger was a real voice that belonged to me. <laughs> mm. And she can be vicious. She is oh, not yeah. nice. You don't want to talk to her. Oh, when I am angry. <laughs> I will write you an essay that is scathing. Every line will stab you with a knife. Like, oh yeah, it's it's like I I will go there, and it's because my anger is righteous, and it and I I really didn't realize that. I thought, oh my god, the anger's coming. Like, how do I how do I soothe this insane monster? How do I get this down? <laughs> and then Taylor was like, we're on a Zoom call. She's like telling me about my human design. And she's like, so when you're out of alignment, you feel angry. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) It was this whole like moment. And we had this whole conversation about how I need to like allow myself to feel that stuff. And I'm like, no, like this thing I've worked so hard on that I thought I was like the Buddha around, you know, it's like, no, like I need to, I need to be angry. And then the more I allowed myself to be angry. I was like, wow, I'm actually like making positive changes in my life that allow me to find my alternate, uh, feeling of when everything is in alignment, I feel peaceful. And Uh, I'm like, and then when we, when you said that to me, I was like, dude, my life is all anger and no peace. Like what? And I literally thought that I had anger issues, that there was something wrong with me. And then I was like, but, but that I hit it really well. Like nobody knew. And I'm like, okay, Aww. no, no, no. It's actually that um, I'm out of alignment and I need to 
that you're just uh, like resisting this part of you that it yeah. feels like it sounds like you're like, well, I shouldn't be angry and anger is a bad thing. And so I'm going to not let myself be angry, even though I am angry on the inside, but I'm going to look fine on the outside. And so everything's going to be fine. And I'm going to trick everybody, including myself. And exactly. then you're just like, actually, I'm just Emotional fucking miserable, <laughs> but I'm going to ignore it. And it's like, I've been thinking about this a lot lately too, where like when you are super sick, like my husband has a lot of like uh, food issues and digestive stuff and mm-hmm. that's its, its whole own thing. But um, um, when like when you are eating for just as a metaphor, like when you're eating things that are making you sick, like our bodies ultimate goal is to like find homeostasis. So you adapt to this feeling of being sick and you don't even realize how shitty you feel because it's your normal. And so it's like that. And until you detox and you get all of that shit out of your system and you stop eating these things that are making you feel sick, you notice then when you, when, like when you do consume something like that, then you feel the impact because you're where your homeostasis is has shifted. And when you actually feel well, you're like, Oh my God, I didn't know that this is not how I felt. I felt so awful. And I thought that that's how I was always going to feel. And so it can be the same exact thing emotionally, right? Where it's like, Oh, I didn't realize I just always had this like underlying anger. And just because I was good at ignoring it, I thought it wasn't there. But now that I'm realizing that it is and I can move through it and I can allow it and I can stop judging myself, then you can find peace. I fully, fully believed. Like I was like on a mission, like, you know, the void. This is, this is on topic. Oh my God. I was (laughs) just so you guys know we're still on topic. This (laughs) is seriously on topic. So like, no, I, um, like, when we're all going through this, all like I can't pinpoint a date, but it was within the past two years that I was like, when did I start having this inner gremlin? Like, when did mm. I start having this little uh, that was like inside of me? Like, uh, and I was like, what is that? And when, where did it start? When did it start happening? And like, I had this, this really great book. It's like, ah, uh, the book is by, um, someone who, <laughs> Somebody wrote it for it's, sure. Um, it's on my phone, but it's a it's a shamanic journaling book that oh. I did. Oh, it's so good. It's like rewrite your life with shamanic Jungian tools or something. It was oh. I'll, I'll look it up. It's Jungian like Change. Carl Jung. Oh, here we go. Yes, it was by Carl Greer, and oh. um, it's well, that's the it's uh, Change Your Story, Change Your Life by Carl Greer. Using shamanic and Jungian tools to achieve personal transformation. Okay. It's a great book. Um, That that was great. Oh, it's amazing. So you actually, like, you journal out, like, all your stuff. And it's very powerful. And it'll take you a long time. I mean, it took me, like, a year. I resist journaling so much. I mean, like, I know it's good. And there are times where I can really get into it. And there are so many times where I'm like, I don't want to fucking write it down. I don't want to fucking write it down. Yeah, but it helps. It helps so much. But anyway, so so this, um, talking about finding this, like, anger, this where did it start? And so, like, this this Jungian shamanic journaling was like, okay, like, go back. Like, find out, you know, like... (laughs) try to remember and use these journaling tools to go back 
into that Were you psyche. like journaling as your oh, inner yeah. child or something? Oh, oh, yeah. You have to like kind of write out your life story in detail as much as you can Ugh. remember. And they give you tools to remember things. And all of these like repressed memories come up. It's incredible. Check out this book. It's so good. So I that was. That sounds so wild. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to go through this and I'm going to find out where my angry little, and this was again, before you and I spoke. So this was like right before. And and you were kind of like the final piece of the puzzle when I, mm. I, had, I had already been trying to figure this out because I was like, I feel like this is the, the piece of me that keeps me most separate from my divine spiritual self is this like merging angry... with your shadow. Oh, it's your yeah. shadow. Embracing yeah, yeah, your yeah. shadow. Oh, I love that you say that. Yes. Dude, so, we try to run from our shadow, but we yeah. really just need to like hold our shadow and be like, I see you. Yeah. I am you. Yeah. We there I am I am a whole being. I am not only light. I am not only dark. I am right. I contain multitudes. Yes. <laughs> and so I, you know, started journaling back and I realized that the angry self kind of started in like the fourth grade. And it was Ooh. like that was when kind of the separation clicks began was about fourth grade. That's about the very beginning of puberty. I remember that was happening in fourth grade, the very, very beginning. Whoa. I, we had like little, you know. I don't know. That didn't happen. I was a late, I was a late bloomer. I remember in fourth grade it started for me and then fifth grade it was like there, like we're here. But um, like fourth grade I didn't, ha- I like I, I, I remember I started my cycle uh, in sixth grade so it was um, like just the very, very beginning of all of the things you experience. And so there was, I remember that going on and also realizing like more socially, like where my place was in the fourth grade and mm. um, that sort of like insecurity Was the birth of like me not measuring up and me feeling the separation. And then, you know, that that separation turned into this angry voice of, I realize over time, it's the me that's like, no, no, don't listen to that. Like, you're fine. Also, can we talk about how (laughs) that timeline, because like in fourth grade, you're nine, right? And so, like, yeah, you like that is, um, developmentally, you are really kind of like a walking subconscious being until you're like seven years old. So Mm -hmm. that's like right as you are kind of at the beginning of like becoming more conscious and gaining this awareness and all of those things that you are conditioned, uh, all of the ways that you're conditioned in your early childhood are, you know, obviously beginning to influence you in a subconscious way. So that's really fascinating to think about how you're like, oh, it ha- it started in fourth grade. And it's like, oh, that's, that kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I teach kids for a living, go figure. And I didn't even think about that <laughs> developmental side, but yeah, Yo. no. Um, yeah, that's very true that, and that I do notice that with my singing students, it's a uh, if I can get a student to start singing before the age of nine, I can actually get them to bypass the I'm a bad singer phase, which is, Ugh. yeah, like everyone um, everyone can sing. Just so if you're out there and you're like, I can't sing, you're just lying to yourself. Everyone can sing. Only 2% of the population can't sing, and they actually have like an inner ear defect. So that's, that's, <sighs> my, that's my learning from Berklee College of Music. <laughs> 
Uh, my aside that I'd like to add to that is that um, I've been telling Jesse that I want to take singing lessons. And then when we had that dinner at um, at Steph's house over yeah. Christmas uh, and Elena was doing like some voice demonstrations and I'm just like, <laughs> oh my God, it makes me so much more, more excited. Like I really... I want to do that. Well, and that's the thing is like singing is just being loud and people don't let themselves be loud enough to sing well. I'm good at that. It's because I've been told so many times not to be loud or that I'm being loud. I know. So that's a whole energetic thing. Singing, y'all out there, if you're like, I'm a spiritual person and you're not singing, even like, even if you think you suck at singing, start singing. Singing is a huge spiritual practice. It gets your body to just chill out. It stimulates the vagus nerve. It's one of the few ways that you can get that thing to just like chill out. It like re-stimulates and like reorganizes your nervous system. Like sing. It's so good. Yeah. It's like an Um, embodiment practice. Yeah. And if you don't sing, you lose the muscle and you lose the ear tuning. So you got to sing and your ear tunes in and your muscles tune up. You got to do it. But anyway, I digress. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what were you even talking about? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Really, oh, my God. We kind of went down a rabbit talking, hole. I know. Oh, talking about, um, oh, yeah, but before the age of nine. So, um, yeah, that's when that's when kids start to clam up is the age of nine, mm. um, when they start having that awareness, that, that, that judgment awareness. But, you know, maybe that's a, another topic for... <laughs> Yes, I'm sure that it is. Yeah, because I I mean, you know, then I started meditating around the age of 11 or 12 and the void (sighs) became apparent to me then. But it wasn't it wasn't this kind of void. It was the meditation void, which is, you know, experience nothingness and see what comes to you, which is a whole different version of the void. Dude, Um, I read a fascinating article about the like how meditation can make you crazy and or they can like activate. Uh, some it, like that meditation is good and there are really shitty experiences that can come from like a lot of meditation well you know uh, so and I, like I, how it, yeah. it makes you lose it can make you lose sleep like if you're meditating for more than an hour a day it can negatively oh, this affect is, your okay sleep. well i got some some funny uh i mean this is maybe that. <laughs> maybe we should leave this out and no uh, yeah I don't know that it relates, but it's. I read a whole article about it, and it was super fascinating. No, that's actually that's what we should be talking about because that's the meditation void. That's good. Mm, but so okay. okay, so like if we're talking about meditation void, there's um, and talking about how you can like slip too far away, and it can be like you can have like mental illness associated with that. Well, yeah. I have experience with that because I had a kid whose mom would make her meditate. And she felt like every time she was meditating, she would get like the same kind of thing that people experience with sleep paralysis. And she Mm. was young. She was like nine, 10. Yeah. And her mom was like, I'm just going to make my kid meditate. And and the mom was really kind of a a strange person. I I don't really need to get into that, but she was not the most. No way. Well, she wasn't really like the most. (laughs) It was like she, she just was like, you know, like, oh, meditation's good, so let's meditate. And she wasn't really about, like, figuring out why or how are the best practices, and she wasn't even well, well-versed well in it herself. So oh, um, the kid was more, like, locked in a prison of her mind, <laughs> which I think that's we all know really what that's like. That's a really young age. Yeah, and, you know, <sighs> um, the mom, I mean, I can say this now because I don't work with them anymore, and um, 
but but she was kind of like emotionally abusive to the kid and I could see it and I was just like this is not a healthy mother daughter relationship and Ugh. and then she would make the kid meditate and she would just like literally lose her mind because she was like literally like just trapped in her negative thoughts and her face would like twist up when she was meditating the mom knew that I was like into meditation so she's like bringing up like all this stuff to me like I could help her and I'm like I'm just here to teach you piano like please <laughs> like Dude. but yeah and so like okay but but on the on the flip side of that the Dalai Lama meditates for 8 hours in the morning he starts at like 4 a.m. and he's done it like 8 a.m. or something what crazy no, it's only 4 hours but no he does something crazy i think it's it is probably just 4 hours of meditation but he does like a crazy amount of meditation every day and he's like that's how i stay healthy that's how i stay balanced like so he's you know really connecting to that long-winded meditation through a deep spiritual practice that keeps him grounded in the the why right um grounded in in why we're we're in this deep spiritual place is to connect with oneness to connect with the earth to connect with source it's not to get trapped in like all your negative thoughts which i think can then feed you into that more mentally ill place of the void well what the article talked about is that it you know it's like this idea of um kind of like disconnecting from your body through meditating and kind of just like Ooh. really purely focusing on the mind and how like that can just kind of cause a like a break from reality because oh, yeah well, and like and you not. know it's one thing <laughs> it's one thing if you are you know, like a monk and you're trained in all of these different things and you understand that different things are going to happen and that there are like, that there are, you know, uh, it, the, that meditation is not an, a 100% thoroughly positive practice and that there are going to be like, you know, uh, kind of shitty experiences that go along with it. Um, obviously I'm not talking about this in a very educated way. I no, only read the article like, once. like, I think you're totally right. But, I think that there is, um, like I just said, there's, there's a way to get into it correctly and there is an incorrect way. Well, yeah. Okay. I think, uh, that's probably a good place to put a pin in it. I think we covered, yeah, we a, lot covered a lot covered a lot of things. <laughs> and there so are hopefully plenty it makes of, sense. Yeah. And you know, there's plenty of pathways we can take in other directions to fill out in later episodes. And that's where we hope we'll see you guys. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in. The Spiritual Spectrum is a podcast created and hosted by Taylor Whitmer, produced by Elena Music. Find us on Instagram at spiritual.spectrum.pod. Email us at spiritualspectrumpodcast at gmail.com to share your experience. We'd love to put it in future episodes. Check the show notes in your listening app for any links to sources that we mentioned in this episode. Thanks again for listening. We'll catch you in the next one. <laughs>